0: Now we give a warm welcome to everyone to this uh, evening time of worship, both to those in the building here and to those who are joining with us online. Let's begin our worship by singing to God's praise in Psalm number 1, it's page 200 of the Psalter, and it's at the beginning of the song. That man hath perfect blessedness, who walketh not astray in counsel of ungodly men, nor stands in sinner's way. Nor sitteth in the scorner's chair, but placeth his delight upon God's law and meditates on his law day and night. And let's remember the law is the whole of the Bible in in this song. We'll sing the whole song to God's praise. Psalm 1 That man hath perfect blessedness. That man
1: hath.
0: Join together in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, as we sing these songs, help us to take the time to ponder what is being said. You reveal yourself to us in this book that you have given to us. And that song reminds us that your take on the human race is that there are two very distinct groups within it the
1: wicked
0: and the righteous. And we acknowledge that your word tells us that we are all born in sin and shapen in iniquity and we are all wicked by nature. But the astonishing truth is that we can be made righteous through the blood of Christ. And if we are here this night who have been made righteous by the blood of Christ, May we revel in that truth. There is a profound mystery as to why we should have been given so many privileges, but we must leave mystery what it is, and we must bow and we must acknowledge your kindness to us in so many ways. But although we have tasted and seen that God is good There remains in every believer Part of the old man And that old man generates awful deeds And uh, unspeakable words And unimaginable thoughts But we pray that you would give us the grace To rein ourselves in So that we might live in a way That would honour you In all the ups and downs and twists and turns and bumps and bruises of life's journey, we pray that each day we would be given the grace that we need to live in a way that is honoring. We remind ourselves of one of old who prayed constantly, Lord, keep us kept. And we pray that as we gather here this night that you would come in amongst us and bless us. And wherever the church has been gathered this day across the globe, may it have known uh, your blessing. Remember our loved ones, wherever they might be across the globe. Our prayer is that we would all be in Christ so that we are all together in the great beyond. O Lord, our God. You are speaking to us day after day, reminding us that our days and years are numbered and that soon, much sooner than many of us have ever imagined, we shall appear before that great white throne. O Lord, our God, may we have embraced you and may our names be in the Lamb's book of life. May we have fled to you as our Saviour. We pray, O Lord, that you'd remember us, not just as families, but as a congregational family, and indeed as a church. Remember us, we pray, as a nation. And amongst all the turmoil that's going on, we think of uh, the destruction on that bridge between mainland Russia and the Crimea and it's a reminder to us that it is so difficult to know who's done what and who's telling the truth but you are the truth we have no difficulty with that we pray that we would in the words of the psalmist meditate in your book day and night and we pray that we would find refuge and safety in it And we would find it a guide for life's journey. But the reality is this. So often we have to make decisions on issues. And sometimes it's hard to know which way to turn. But we pray that you would help us. That we would commit everything to you. Even the small and what we might call mundane issues. We pray that we would commit them to you. And that you would be our guide and stay. Remember those in our congregation who are mourning the loss of loved ones. Be a blessing to them. And remember those who are struggling with the hard things they have to bear on earth's sojourn. Give grace we pray. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's sing again to God's praise in uh, Psalm number 31. It's found on page 36 of the Psalter and it's at the beginning of the song, Psalm 31, on page 36. And you, I've taken refuge, Lord. You're my shelter in distress. Oh, let me never be ashamed, but save me. In your righteousness Lord turn your ear to hear my cry Come quickly to deliver me And be my rock and firm defense My stronghold and uh, security Verses 1 to 8 of Psalm 31 In you I've taken refuge Lord in you. read God's Word as we find it in the Gospel according to St. Luke, uh, chapter 8, and we'll read at the beginning of the chapter. Soon afterwards he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out and Joanna the wife of Chusa Herod's household manager and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him he said in a parable a sower went out to sow his seed. As he said, these things he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. And bear fruit with patience. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. But puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest. Nor is anything secret that will not be, made, be known and eh, come to light. Take that care then how you hear. For the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even winds and water? And uh, they obey him. Amen, and may God bless to us that reading from his word. Let's join together again in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord of God. We realize from reading that passage of Scripture that there were those of your people in high positions in the household of Herod, who was an evil king. And sometimes it's hard to hold a high position. When the wind is against you. But we take comfort and consolation from the truth that it's there on the pages of Scripture. We realize that another that is mentioned is Mary Magdalene. A woman who was exceedingly wicked, possessed by seven evil spirits. But we are reminded from this passage of Scripture... That you can deal with the worst of scenarios. Indeed these men in that boat on that given day were astonished. Who then is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? But we realize that these things were done to manifest. Not just the humanity of Jesus. But the divinity. These are profound truths. And we shall never fathom them, but we pray that we would take great comfort from the fact that we find ourselves in a fallen world with all the problems in it and all the stresses and strains of it, but that we can turn heavenwards and we don't turn to a God who is far away and distant, but rather a God who came into the flow of the human race and lived among us and who knows exactly what any given one of us is going through. We pray that from reading this word, this passage of the word this night, that we would hear and that we would listen to what we hear and that the truth that we hear would seep into the core of our lives so that it is manifest that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and because of that we are saved. We pray that you'd be with us as we turn to explore the word once again. May we do it with reverence, but may we acknowledge we need your help. It is sheer futility for any of us to be here, preacher or hearer alike, if we don't come in all humility and acknowledge that we need you. And so we ask that you would come into our midst and that you would bless us. And bless our loved ones, wherever they might be this night. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's continue in the same song, Psalm 31 on page 36, and it's at verse 9. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for my distress knows no relief. My eyes grow weak with sorrow 's tears, my soul and body with my grief it 's a reminder to of us to us of how realistic the Word of God is. That is the way it is for god 's people so often in life 's journey. My life is ang- in anguish, is consumed, my years pass by with many groans through misery, my strength has failed, and greatly weakened are my bones we 'll sing verses nine to fifteen my Be merciful to me, O Lord. the chapter that we've read in Luke's gospel chapter 8 and we'll read again at verse 19 <clears throat> then his mother and his brothers came to him but they could not reach him because of the crowd and he was told your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you but he answered them my mother And my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now let's by God's enabling seek to explore something of this (coughs) area of scripture. There are two things we want to look at. First of all, a family's concern for Jesus. And the second thing we want to look at is Jesus' concern for family. And of course it's the one and the same family I'm talking about. When I say a family's concern for Jesus, I mean the family that Jesus was born into in this world. But for my second heading I'm going to divide it into two. When I speak about Jesus' concern for family, I'm going to divide it into A, his biological family and B, his spiritual family. Now we are told here, then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And we are not specifically told what they came looking for Jesus for. But we may find a clue in Mark chapter 3. But before that, I want us to explore something of the family life of uh, Jesus because it most certainly wasn't straightforward because what you have is this in John chapter 7 and at verse 5 in fact I'll read from the beginning of the chapter uh, 7 after this Jesus went about in Galilee he would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand, so his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Now listen to this. For not even his brothers believed in him. Now we know that there were brothers and sisters in the family of Jesus, or at least one sister, maybe more. The Greek word that is used here is the masculine plural, and it would cover not just males, but uh, females as well. But this is what we're told, for not even his brothers believed in him. That's those within the family unit of Jesus, who were his half-brothers and at least one half Sister, maybe, maybe more than one a eh, half-sister. What, what, what is it I'm getting at? Well, what I'm getting at is this. You have within the family of Jesus... Someone who was holy, harmless and undefiled. You have within the family of Jesus... Somebody who gives to his heavenly father commitment and devotion that is second to none he lived a life of spotless sinlessness and absolute holiness but he lived in a family circle that was flawed and fallen Even his mother was. In the song, if it's a song that we know of as the Magnificat, Mary in that outburst of praise talks about Jesus being her saviour too. You know there are some churches that teach that Mary was sinless. You go to the word of God and you find Mary needed a saviour. And it's sinners who need, it's sinners who need a saviour. So not only was uh, the mother flawed But within that family There were flawed uh, children as well Every last one of them And we are specifically told in God's revelation to us That they did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was Now you cannot have that living under the same roof Without friction and without difficulty I think the reality is this I think in that home the sparks were flying Now I think that sometimes our view of Jesus Might be well off the mark Because we have this idealistic And maybe even ideological view but uh, we come to the pages of Scripture. Why is Scripture telling us that they did not believe in him? Simply because that's the way it was. And when you have absolute holiness and you have people who are looking at them and saying, we don't believe that you are who you say you are, you can't have that living side by side for very long without there being a clash. And it's the same today. In any given home where there are believers and there are non-believers. In fact, the reality is this. The reality is this. Supposing you even had a home that was full of believers. Everybody in the home was a believer. It is highly, highly unlikely that there will not be problems. Why? Because we live in the theater of spiritual warfare. We live in an arena where the enemy of our souls, the devil, is doing everything he can to bring down and to tear down anything at all to do with God. That's why the institution of marriage is attacked from every angle in our society today. That's why this idea of a uh, the, the biblical view of family is, is being destroyed, or uh, they're attempting to destroy it, from every angle today. That's why you have so many murders on our streets today, because life isn't precious. That's why you have wholesale abortions nowadays, because life in the womb is not significant. And it's all part of this great strategy of the enemy of our souls as he seeks to tear down and destroy anything that God has set up. So even in a home where everybody's a believer, it's very, very unlikely that it will be plain sailing. But this is a home where there is the holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners, Saviour. And others who are in that home and they simply don't believe that he is who he is. You see, in our difficulties and in our struggles in life's journey, sometimes we get ourselves to a place where we think there is nobody else who fully understands me. There is nobody in this planet that I can speak to That I know is going to be on my wavelength And uh, is going to understand exactly what I'm going through That may well be true But what is not true is this That there is nobody at all who understands Because this Jesus does Because he's been through it all He has experienced it all and he knows what the friction and difficulties uh, of uh, home life <coughs> can, uh, can be. But you know, within this home life, it wasn't all negative on the part of his brothers and sisters. Or sisters, as the case may be. Because we go to uh, Mark chapter 3 and at verse 21, this is what we read. And when his family (coughs) heard um, it, they went out to seize him. That's they went out to get Jesus. For they were saying, he is out of his mind. And I think what we're witnessing there is this. The enemies of Jesus were saying, he's mad. He's completely lost it. He's a madman. He's out of his mind. And that clearly got back to his family. And there was a concern there. And they went out to get him. But that's only part of it. Listen to this. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebub. And by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons. That is pretty serious slander. Here he is, the holy, harmless, undivided, undefiled, and separate from sinners, saviour of the world, and he's doing all these things to help the human race. And he has caused them to be furious, and so incensed with anger, that they turn around and they're saying he's doing it by the power of the devil that's what he's doing it by now there are two things going on here you know it was um oh it's escaped me uh, evidence that the Josh, Mac- Josh McDowell the American who wrote the book evidence that demands a verdict and he basically says that the human race has got three choices when it comes Who Jesus is And he, he begins them all with L The alliteration helps us to remember this We have all made up our minds About Jesus We have all made a decision about him We either say he's a lunatic Or he's a liar Or he is the Lord And there are no other options And you see Those who say he's a lunatic Would be those who are saying He's a madman He's lost it He's out of his mind. But then there are others who will say, no, 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 he's not mad. He's just bad. He's motivated and driven by the devil himself. He's not a lunatic. He's a liar. Everything he says is lies. When he says he's a son of God, he's telling lies. When he says he's come to save sinners, he's telling lies. Now, if we don't think he's a lunatic, and we don't think he's a liar, then there's only one option left. And that is that he is who he says he is. And he is the Lord. So these are the choices that the human race
1: has before it. And you know,
0: every last one of us in here this night, and indeed every soul across the globe this night, Has made a decision about that. And so his his family. When they hear these things. That he's out of his mind. There is still something there within the family bond. And you know. Family is a tremendous blessing. Blessing. It is a real blessing. There isn't a family on the face of this planet without its problems. But for all that, family is a great blessing. You know, one of the things that uh, plucks the cord of your heart when I'm working in pastoral work in the church and in the community is, when I'm dealing with people who have no family at all, and perhaps the old age catches up with them, and they've got nobody and, and it really is driven home to you just what a blessing <clears throat> a family circle is. And of course, family is God's idea. And it's a good idea. And that's why it's under such severe attack. Because God is good. And his ideas are good. And the enemy of our souls doesn't like a good God with good ideas and he seeks to destroy in all kinds of ways but here we have it that they thought he was out of his mind and his family wanted to seize him to 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 get him and I guess what they want to do is they want to take him away to be with themselves and to protect him and that's good and that's uh, that's commendable and so you have family here a family that don't believe in Jesus but a family who are family for all that and they want to come and get him but you know the, the good thing about the family of Jesus is, is this that in Acts uh, chapter 1 this is what we read of the family of Jesus all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. And again, it's the Greek word, it's a plural and it covers males and females. So isn't that amazing? The people that did not believe in him, even within his family circle, by the time you get to Acts chapter 1, they believe that he is who he is. But we've got this family and uh, his mother and his brothers come to him. But there's a problem. They could not reach him because of uh, the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And I want us to look first of all at the biological family of Jesus. Because he had all these half brothers and half sister or maybe half sisters. And... uh, He was holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. That means this. He never wronged them. That could not be said of his siblings. But he never did wrong them. And there's just one incident I want us to pick up on. And that is at the cross. When Jesus knows that he is going to die. You know, his mother was spoken about in prophecy. And in that prophecy, it says that a sword would pierce her soul. And we understand that to have happened when she observed her own flesh and blood hang on the cross at Calvary. Mary was there. All her maternal instincts were being torn apart. As she watched the slaughter and the murder of her own flesh and blood. It was a terrible time for her. But it was a terrible time for Jesus as well. Because he is enduring things that we cannot enter into. But even in the midst of the terror and agony for Jesus, there is consideration given to so many others. I mean, take for example the thief that we know of as the saved thief. Why did Jesus give him any attention on Calvary? When he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Why didn't Jesus just say, look, I am bearing hard things right now. Just leave me alone. I mean, would we have blamed him if he had said that? And would we have blamed Jesus if he had said to that man, do you know, I don't know how old the man was. We're not told, was he 20 years old, was he 30 years old. But what would we say if Jesus had said to him, you know what? you're 30 years in this world every living day you rebelled against me you give me no honour or space whatsoever why or oh why would I give you any consideration and not only that what if Jesus went on to say to him look you're going to be dead in a handful of hours what good can you give to me There are all these things we could surmise about, but at the end of the day he gave him his full attention. And not only did he give him his full attention, he said this to him, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That's astonishing. And I think it's a a reminder to us of the enormity of this Christ that we are here eh, to worship eh, tonight, but it wasn't just the saved thief, because you'll remember what he says to John. He says to John, "Behold your mother." And he says to his mother that John would take him take her and look after her. Um, it's very, very interesting what he says because he calls her woman he calls his mother woman at that point and and you think well you know what if you call your mother woman there's something kind of cold about that but even at Calvary there is something going on that shows the compassion of Jesus he does attend to his mother's needs because John's going to look after her from now on so that's attended to but I think what he's doing is this. He knows that his mother is in agony. Watching what she's seeing. But he wants her to stop thinking in terms of the mother's son. He wants her to get on to a different plane. He wants her to get on to the plane of woman and saviour. Fallen sinner and saviour of the world because if she gets on to that level by and by she's going to see that all this is part of a great picture and a great plan that's going to redeem her soul and the souls of so many others so even at that moment when he's attending to his mother's needs and telling John you look after her now he is trying to get his mother onto a level that will be easier for her to deal with with the situation. And I guess that's my second uh, point here, because we've looked for a moment or two at the biological family, but I want us to think in terms of spiritual family. Do you know, in the words that we read earlier on in this chapter, the parable of the sword is given, and the word of God is the seed and the soul goes out to soul. And some people are not remotely interested. Not remotely interested. They don't even give it a reading or a hearing or a listening. They're independent. They've made their own way in life's journey, they're in control. And they don't see the need. They have not got a problem that requires someone like God to address for them. They're going to be surprised one day. Well, I don't know if it's accurate to say they're going to be surprised. I think it's more accurate to say they're they're in for a shock. They are in for an enormous shock. But then there are others who do give them a hearing. And they're full of the joys. But it doesn't last very long. It's gone as quick as it comes. But then there are others. And it's not gone as quick as it comes. But by and by the cares and the tackles and trials of life and the pleasures of life, they, 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 they overtake them. And it's not that God is out of the equation quickly and immediately. It's just a gradual process. It's a gradual. And he's gone. But there are others who hear him who listen to him and who have it come into the very fibre of their being. It seeps in and it saturates their very being. And they're no longer simply hearers of the word of God. They are doers. They take the hearing, they listen to it, they absorb it, and it becomes the guiding factor. Of their lives, and of course, by their fruits you shall know them. Now, I have to say something here. Every believer struggles with this issue of the fruits they bear because we bear not just fruit, because of the old man dwelling within us, there's so much sin around, and it grieves the believer, it absolutely grieves the believer. And sometimes that grieving is so deep and so intense, you almost end up thinking, I'm not a believer at all. But that is part of the pain and the pangs of every true believer. Because the devil knows how to get at the individual who believes. And the devil wants to drag down. And if he can get us below the water, that's all the better. And sometimes... Sometimes we feel that we are below the water. But if that battle is very familiar to you, it is familiar to you because you are a believer, not because you're not a believer. That's the battle that goes on. And here is Jesus and they're coming to him. And he told them, your mother and your brothers are standing outside deciding to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. You see, we've all been blessed with family. Biological. In this world, and it is a blessing. No matter what the stresses and strains might be, it is a blessing. But there's a family at another level. And the blessings of that family leave the biologic blessings far, far behind. Because everybody who's in Christ is part of a family that is God's family. You know, the astonishing thing is this. That when you flee to Jesus in all your need and you ask him to have mercy on you and to to cleanse you from all your depravity and sin he listens and he accepts us but that's only ever half the, the equation the other half of the equation is this he accepts our sinful lives but he also gives to us his spotless life. That's what the great doctrine, the great teaching of atonement is all about. Give me your sin. Give me your life of sin. And I'll give you my life. My life of righteousness. Now, we live in our day so often squirming before God... Because we feel so vile and so filthy and so sinful. But at the end of the day, we cannot simply look at that, although it may be a truth. We've got to listen to what God's word says to those who have fled to Jesus. And the reality is this, in the eyes of God, every believer here tonight... Has such a spotless life. That it's equivalent to the spotlessness that's in Christ's life. Now that may be hard to take on board. But that's the truth as we find it on the pages of scripture. What is the righteousness that any believer has? We are clothed in the righteousness that Christ has given to us. What righteousness has Christ given to us? His own righteousness. And if we don't hold these two truths... The remaining fallen man within our lives. And the great teaching of a a substitutionary atonement. We're going to be in trouble. But hopefully we will not be in trouble. Because we will hold them both. We will hold them. uh, We will hold them both. Now I want us to look. And considering this area of scripture. We, we, we spoke about the surrender of Christ tonight, this morning, how he gave himself to all that he gave himself to in order to provide our salvation. But here is, uh, is Jesus. And his family want him out of the scene, out, out of that age. Let's get to him, let's take him home, and let's protect him. Basically Jesus is saying no. No. But why not? Because he has a duty to perform. He has a work to fulfill. And he's got to get on with it. But what is the work that he's got to fulfill? What is that work? It's everything he gives. In order to save You and I We can look at it from these two different angles One He fulfills every law of God He never fails God Two He bears the price and the punishment Of your sin and mine As believers in him His family want him out of it But he's saying no, 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 no I've got something to do and you know, we have to remember this when the enemy of our souls is trying to destroy us and to bring us down and has us all over the place. You know, Scripture talks of many doctrines, but I want to talk of the doctrine just for a moment the doctrine of condemnation. We are all born into this world as sinners, we are already condemned. It's not a case of we will be condemned somewhere out there in the future. That's not the way it is. We are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And we are condemned. What is the opposite of condemnation? The opposite of condemnation is justification. You know, you may sit before a judge and the judge says, I condemn you to 20 years in prison because you're guilty. I condemn you to death because you are guilty. God is the eternal judge. We are all condemned to eternal death because we are guilty. But this one and the same judge can say of any one of us. Let me use an example the scripture gives. The sinner who went up into the temple to pray along with the Pharisee. And the Pharisee was there showing the world how marvelous he was at prayer and how holy he was. But the sinner, all he could say is, he could not even lift up his eyes unto heaven. He's looking at his feet and smote upon his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Now when he used that word, the sinner, it meant this. This is the sinner calling. There isn't another sinner in the whole of the universe like this one. The astonishing thing is that we read of that man that it was he who went down to his house justified. Remember what justified means? In the eyes of God he had committed no sin. And you think, well how does that work? A man who's telling God, I'm the greatest sinner on the face of the globe and God is saying, you're sinless in my sight. How does that work? This is how it works. This is how it works. Family want him out of it. And Jesus is saying, No, 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 no. There's another family. There's a spiritual family. And there's one thing for sure. I'm not going to fail them. And for those who are in his spiritual family... There is no blessing like it, none whatsoever. And how do you know if you're in the spiritual family or not? Well, you believe in Jesus in all your faults and folly and stresses and strains. You believe and in amongst all the blemishes and tarnishes, there are fruits there. You may not be the best one to identify them. That's why the fellowship of the saints is just so important. Sometimes other people can see something that you can't see yourself. But there's a biological family of Jesus. And he's got consideration for him. He did in his earthly sojourn. But there's a spiritual family of Jesus. He answered them, my mother... And my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And may God grant that we would all be part of that family this night. Amen. Let's pray. O Lord of God, we thank you that you are who you are and you've done what you've done. And we are sorry that we are who we are and sorry that we've done what we've done. But we thank you for the great teaching of substitutionary atonement. May we all be part of your spiritual family. Amen. Now let's conclude by singing a few more verses of Psalm 31. It's at verse 19. It's on page 37 of the Psalter. Your goodness, Lord, is very great. Prepared for those who fear your name, you show your goodness openly to all Who your protection claim We'll sing from 19 to uh, verse 24 Your goodness Lord is very great And peace. From Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest on and abide with each one, both now and forevermore.